0: Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irena Manta, and I'm a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University. I'm also a dating coach and consultant to the dating app industry.
1: And I'm Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia and a clinical psychologist in private practice. All views expressed in this podcast are our own and not our employer's. Last time, we had an
0: incredibly enlightening chat with our guests, Anna and Jen, about their experiences with catfish. In considering some of the similarities in their stories, it got us thinking we should talk further about a frequently encountered plague in the world of dating, narcissism. What are narcissists? What harm do they cause? And how do you protect yourself against them?
1: make someone a narcissist? First of all, we should distinguish between narcissistic traits and the clinical diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. Not everyone with narcissistic traits has full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, and neither you nor we should apply a diagnosis to someone. Well, I could if I were that person's therapist, but even I, outside of a therapist-client relationship, don't have sufficient evidence to diagnose someone with a personality disorder based on what they're presenting on the apps or early dates. So someone can display narcissistic tendencies and in that sense be a narcissist, but he or she may not have narcissistic personality disorder or NPD. The latter is an actual diagnosis with specific symptom criteria. So even though we should not assume someone has NPD, there's a value to understanding and being able to identify narcissistic traits, because whether or not a potential dating partner has NPD, narcissistic traits are still something that's going to get in the way of a happy, harmonious dating situation or relationship. And so we want you to be able to spot them and take them for the red flags that they are.
0: Most commonly and colloquially, we think of narcissism as when someone thinks incredibly highly of themselves to the extent that they have an inflated sense of self-importance. They portray themselves with confidence, they often imply and even openly talk about how successful they are.
1: The wildest thing is, even though we typically think of narcissists as very full of themselves, not very far underneath the surface of this carefully manicured image is a wasp's nest of insecurity. It doesn't take much to find it. It turns out that all the things they confidently tell you that they are are really just projections of who they want to be. Often they aren't those things at all. I've got a great analogy I use to help people understand if they're dealing with a narcissist. So for anyone who is familiar with the Wizard of Oz in this movie, Little Dorothy is transported through a tornado and she lands in this magical land of Oz and she wants to figure out how to get back home to Kansas. And all anyone can tell her is the wizard could do that. The wizard, the wizard's in charge. The magical wizard could do that for you. So the whole rest of the movie, she's off to see the wizard. And everyone she encounters along the way also has things that they believe that this mystical, magical wizard can fix for them. So they make it to the wizard through all the trials and tribulations. They get there. And the great wizard is just some middle-aged dude or older hiding out, projecting an image onto a screen, talking through, I guess like a phonograph or something like that. He's just some dude. He's just some average dude. He's not the big deal that they made him out to be. And he does not have the power to do what they need. He has survived all this time on this image that he has built up, but actually there's nothing of substance underneath it.
0: People often don't know or don't realize for a while that one of the hallmarks of narcissism is actually low self-esteem. While narcissists can seem scary and very powerful, they're empty shells. They're energy vampires who seek to feed off of you to infuse their life with meaning and to find a sense of control that they lack internally. In short, they need you as so-called narcissistic supply much more than you need them. And part of the trick is to recognize that.
1: That's right. So that idea of narcissistic supply is they need you to care about them, think they're great, like the rest of us need oxygen. So two ways to know you're dealing with a narcissist stem from that Wizard of Oz analogy. One has to do with how they portray themselves in the first place. They're the first to tell you how great they are and all they've got going for them. And you know, just because somebody's a narcissist doesn't mean they're not an exceptional person. Some of them may well be. Plenty of them aren't even close. But the point is, non-narcissistic successful people don't constantly remind everyone how great they are. They let their greatness speak for itself. The second way to spot a narcissist is in how quickly they lose their ever-loving minds when you question, doubt, or disagree with them, even if it's only a minor error you're pointing out. They have an absolute inability to deal with feeling exposed as less than perfect when they think they've been successfully convincing everybody all along. Their reaction to this is not subtle. Take, for example, how fiercely Donald Trump has turned on pretty much everyone he himself first hired and pumped up once they dared to disagree with him or not do his bidding. And this predated his move into politics, so this is not a political statement. Donald Trump, even prior, was famously known for hurling a barrage of insults at Rosie O'Donnell for some forgettable, minor, perceived slight back when he was just a garden-variety celebrity. Me even referring to him that way would probably make him explode. That's my point. So the intensity of their reaction to perceived slights far surpasses the intensity of the slight in the first place.
0: People who are secure in their own identity are generally able to take in criticism and agree with it or discard it without falling apart. They understand that their self does not depend on what any one person thinks of them. It is believed, however, that narcissism can develop in people exposed to a narcissistic parent in the first place that didn't let them develop an independent sense of self. Harsh criticism and blurred boundaries didn't allow the child to create a healthy internal core because the child was constantly subject to direct or indirect attacks, criticisms, and other digs. While some people are able to overcome this as adults, others victimize their own children, co-workers, or partners in similar ways they suffered, meaning in part they try to elevate themselves by pushing others down and making them dependent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It turns very quickly into a me against you, me against the world type of scenario with them. You're either with them or against them. So it's important to understand that even though they project an image of confidence and success, that's all it is, a projection, a mask. It's fragile and therefore easily threatened. They need everyone around them to buy in. It's like if they can convince everyone else that this image of them is the truth, then maybe that can make it the truth. But again, just under the surface, not that they'd ever admit it, but evidenced by the fact of how easily angered and how terribly threatened they feel when someone casts doubt upon any aspect of this image that they've cultivated, reveals that at some level, they can't even admit to themselves that they are in deep denial about, that there's deep insecurity and a deeply lacking sense of self. It's all an image.
0: Another thing to know is that narcissists are so focused on themselves that often that's the only place they're interested in devoting energy. They only care about others to the extent that others represent something they want to be associated with. For this reason, when it comes to dating, narcissists often seek out attractive, accomplished potential partners, people who seemingly have things going well for them. Narcissists also paint themselves in the same kind of way. They often are concerned with more superficial things like image, status symbols, or high-quality brands. Mm. They often want to be with those who have attributes that they themselves lack, such as goodness or empathy. So what does that look like on dating apps? Narcissists will often appear great at first, knowing how to tell women what they want to hear and how to love bomb them until these women are hooked. Over time, one prominent feature of dealing with a narcissist will be a pattern of inconsistent reinforcement, which is exactly what Anna Rowe described in our episode with her. Many listeners are probably familiar with the experiments of Ivan Pavlov, where he was able to get dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell after initially pairing the bell with a food reward. Well, it turns out that the most effective way to train dogs to do what you want is via intermittent rather than constant reinforcement. And the same is true with narcissists and their victims. Narcissists keep victims on their toes and get them to give more and more in the hopes of occasional positive reinforcement. This is why I always hammer home that we need to be suspicious of mates and frankly of people in our circles generally who don't treat us with a consistent level of kindness and attention. I've said it in previous episodes, you can't get a narcissist to be nice in any lasting way. It will always be a cycle of idealization and devaluation, with the narcissist being uninterested in giving any more than is strictly necessary to keep the victim hooked. It will never be an equal loving relationship. The love bombing can be pretty damn addictive, and non-narcissists might seem less sparkly or interesting, but there is no happy outcome
1: with a narcissist. Listen, if I were reading this, I would have highlighted that passage. This stuff is so important. And so as you said, Irina, it can and does often start out sparkly and you feel like you're being treated so well. That is because you're being objectified. The narcissist wants to revere his or her new acquisition, whom only a great person such as themselves could have landed. You must be great because they want you and they're great. So everything's great, right? So where does it start to be a problem? Well, the first time you deign to have an opinion different than theirs about matters of right versus wrong or better versus worse, or when you catch them in a lie and slowly start to realize they will lie about pretty much anything that would threaten the image they want to construct. They lie to uphold that image. So because they are singularly focused on preserving this image of themselves and of their own goals, if you want A, but they want not A, then you want the opposite of them. Therefore, you are an obstacle to what they want and a threat to their self-preservation.
0: That's so true, Michelle. And this is a consequence of how they're so solely focused on themselves. The lack of empathy for someone else. Because having empathy for someone else's belief or need, if it in any way encroaches on their own beliefs or needs, they see as taking from them. And that's something they're not willing to tolerate in their mind It is all about them. They don't have much empathy for others because others are of little value to them beyond the extent to which they boost the narcissist up. When you disagree with or question them, you're no longer doing that and therefore you become the enemy. And they are quick to punish those that question them or their authority. Their ego is so fragile that they will go into tantrum mode, either exploding openly or coldly withdrawing their affection. They must be the arbiter of truth and maker of rules at all times, or else the victim will suffer consequences. They also hate being made to look bad, genuinely, or in their own eyes, in front of third parties. So a partner that criticizes them to others or even isn't uniformly laudatory will be made to suffer. Honestly, they often don't have that much of a sense of humor. They're unable to laugh at their own missteps. Instead, they deny them. And they cruelly mock others as part of their power games. They will also deflect by doing things such as saying that the other person can't take a joke when they themselves are thin-skinned about much more innocuous comments than they themselves dish out. In this and other ways, they are masters of projection. They often accuse their victims of exactly the behaviors in which they themselves engage, such as cheating. Shell, how can people stop themselves from falling for narcissists? And how can they learn to disentangle
1: from ones already in their lives? Well, the first piece of advice I would give is be careful not to fall so fast. Some cracks in the amazing image they're trying to project will typically show within a few months. The tricky part is that they often are one weird but small, seemingly inconsequential thing, but everything else is fine until there's another weird thing in isolation. And so you've got to not write those things off so that you notice if they start to accumulate. Pay attention to their ability to be there for you and also how empathic or not they seem when others in their life are going through hardships. The longer it takes for you to really need them to show up for you, and for some of us, that can be quite a while if you're lucky and misfortune doesn't strike you too often, but the longer until you find yourself in that situation of needing them to show up, the longer it takes for you to realize they will fail to be there for you. So you could be with someone a long time collecting seemingly minor little red flags all along before you notice you've got yourself a whole bouquet of them. And narcissists always have an answer or an explanation for everything, why their belief is right, why yours has flaws in it, for every discrepancy you find between what they're telling you and what seems likely. This is
0: called DARVO, and it's an acronym to describe classic narcissistic defense tactics when you begin to question their behavior or treatment of you. DARVO is a form of gaslighting that stands for deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. As I mentioned before, narcissists are masters of projection, which is what the victim offender reversal is specifically. Narcissists appear sure of themselves and insist on the same points, often over and over, until the victim starts questioning her own perception. A lot of the time, narcissists will choose victims that are already self-critical in the first place, and they will then use that tendency, which, by the way, isn't a flaw per se. Aspiring to self-improvement can be good. But narcissists are going to use that tendency to get the victim to blame herself rather than him. The narcissist seeks to shape the victim's reality until she believes what he does. And he frequently gets the victim to apologize to him after he was rude, deceitful, or aggressive. (music) To sum up what we covered today so far, narcissists don't have a stable core. They are energy vampires that will suck you dry. You cannot reform narcissists, no matter how much you love them or how kind or firm you are with them. You need to get out. The optimal level of dealing with narcissists on the dating market is zero. Recognize love bombing and run as soon as you encounter inconsistent behavior. Michelle, tell us from your experience as a therapist, can narcissists actually ever get better?
1: So sadly, the answer to that is, is not really because whether we're talking about getting better from narcissism or getting better from anything, the number one characteristic that is going to predict the success in getting better is motivation to get better. And narcissists don't have that because what we think of as getting better means developing a less self-centered, less selfish perspective, developing empathy, care, concern for other people. But for them, all of those things run counter to their goal of always doing what's best for them. So they don't see the value in making those kind of changes. They would view that as something foolish. That's making it harder to get what they want. And because they inherently don't value other people beyond as objects, they don't have the incentive to particularly care about what other people think, need, or want from them. So because they're not going to have the motivation, they're not going to get better. I do want to distinguish, that doesn't mean they won't try to convince you that they will work on the things that you've brought up and that they might put forth what seems like an effort towards that for a very limited period of time. But if they do that, the reason is because they sense that you are about to leave them, about to not deal with them anymore. And if they still want to keep you around, again, with the lies, they'll do or say anything. To get what they want if that means telling you they're going to change in some meaningful way they'll tell you that and they'll put just enough effort into that to make you believe maybe they really are changing but as you mentioned at the outset of the episode consistency is something that's really important that's why i had mentioned earlier you want to pay attention to are they consistently there for other people when other people are going through hard times Have they been there for you? Have they not? Because anyone could pull it together for one occasion or maybe even a couple. But what you're going to want to look at is the ongoing pattern of behavior. And what you're going to find with narcissists is they will always fall back to the pattern of what works for them is what they're going to do.
0: You know, that reminds me of the uh, old joke of uh, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer being one, but the light bulb has to want to change. And in the case of the of the narcissist, as you are saying, oftentimes, from what I understand, you see them going to therapy because they have the accompanying depression or anxiety. And so they're trying to patch that up and deal with that. Or maybe they go to couples counseling, but it can be pretty frustrating, both for the victim and the counselor to really get them to see anything. Does that that sound like something you're recognizing?
1: Oh, yeah. Let me weigh in on that. So yeah, whenever I have encountered narcissists as a therapist has been exactly under those conditions, either they're coming to therapy to deal with a separate problem because anyone, can have depression or anxiety. And in fact, a large percentage of people do. So narcissists aren't immune from that just because they're also narcissistic. And so sometimes they will go into counseling to address some other issue in their life and they may be interested in working on or resolving that other issue. The other time that I see narcissists in therapy is when they are there to complain about somebody else or multiple other people. And really when they come in, what they say is something along the lines of, I'm seeking therapy so that you can help me figure out how to deal with these incompetent people that I have to deal with at my workplace or with my partner who so untrusting of me or something like that, You know, omitting the fact that there are good reasons for that and not seeing themselves as kind of the common denominator. When you start taking a history, you tend to understand, oh, it turns out all of your exes are crazy. You're the common denominator in this situation, but all of them, all of them are crazy. Um, And so there's a lack of insight into that they are the common denominator in the issues they deal with. They tend to think that it's just because they are exceptional people and they want to know how exceptional people such as themselves can learn how to manage the incompetence and the frustration caused by other people. So once they realize that therapy isn't for that, isn't for blaming and manipulating other people, they tend to lose interest pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. You know, it's very interesting, everything you said, but um, at the end, especially the point about manipulation, that I've read about that and and heard about that more than once that uh, many narcissists intentionally go to therapy because they think that's how they're going to learn about human emotions and things like that and figure out how to use their power for even worse, uh, which is really scary. And I think it's an area where we're going to need a lot more research in the future and hopefully someday better treatments will come along, but in the meantime, How do we tell our daters how they can spot narcissistic traits in profiles and those early chats before they get into deep?
1: So they're not going to get better, okay? We're good on that. But how can you try your best to avoid them in the first place? Irina? What advice do you have for how to spot narcissistic traits in profiles and chats before getting in too deep?
0: Well, there's a lot to say about that. Some of it is really, uh, I would advise our listeners to go back and listen to our previous episodes and follow some of that general advice, because a lot of advice that we gave was specifically to avoid that type of problematic person. But to highlight some of the most important things, let me say, first of all, that some of them are very clever. So don't blame yourself if you didn't catch them immediately. Like it might not be in the profile or it might not show up in your early chats. But there are some things you can look for. Does the person seem really arrogant or vain? That's often going to be correlated. Now, correlated means hashtag not all vain people, right? And not everyone's going to be a narcissist. But having a lot of gym selfies, a lot of kind of Instagram-worthy stuff, and if you also happen to see their social media that is at times linked to the dating profiles these days, there are there a lot of very staged shots where they're trying to be like something out of a magazine and they're clearly trying to, as you said, manicure this image of themselves as perfect and beautiful and Hollywood worthy. So that's a start. I also really don't like when people either in the profile or chats engage in negging. And that is also something that often comes from a narcissistic place where essentially narcissists will use humor in really nasty, detrimental ways that I don't think are funny to most people. And then if you call them on it, as I was mentioning earlier, they'll say like, oh, it's just a joke. Can't you take a joke? And and then somehow it's on you for being too, quote unquote, sensitive or something like that. But essentially anything where they're trying to push you down to prop themselves up is going to be an issue.
1: Yeah. Do you want to weigh in on, on that? Yeah. And not only that they're willing to push you down, which they absolutely are, but another thing that I'm really thinking about as we're talking about this is, so there is some overlap between narcissism and self-esteem. You know, um, There are some similarities there, but there are also really key differences uh, between narcissism and healthy self-esteem. And one of those is people with healthy self-esteem believe there's enough to go around. They don't need other people to be worse than or to pick on other people or to point out their flaws. Other people can be good, I can be good, you can be good. Whereas with narcissists, it's the exact opposite. They do need to constantly compare themselves to others and for it to be a favorable comparison on their part. And so they do tend to be inclined, as you said, like with negging, that they'll do that to their partners and they'll also do it when they talk about other people. And so I think that's an important distinction to realize. And and if you can notice it in early conversations with them, if they're quick to put you certainly or other people down, that is such a narcissist move.
0: Yeah. And you know we do have to be sensitive to the fact, for example, that people from different backgrounds might have different senses of humor. And there is a cultural component to some of that and a socioeconomic component. And so one can only paint with a broad brush, but so much. But a lot of it, you kind of know it when you see it. And especially when you start recognizing patterns, like you said, that end up creating a bouquet of red flags, because it's not necessarily going to be one joking comment that's going to lead you to say, aha, this is a narcissist. But when these things start accumulating, uh, so for example, there's some negging and then there's some inconsistency in behavior and things like that, that becomes uh, problematic. I would say another thing is like trying to get the person hooked. And then as soon as they think the person is hooked, they start breadcrumbing them, right? They start being less available. And if you call them on it, they try gaslighting you. So we need to talk more about the gaslighting here. Essentially, you make a sensible claim based on your observation of reality, and you are told you are wrong. You're just wrong. That didn't happen. No, I'm not calling you less than I did before. I'm not taking longer to text you back than than I did before. And Some of these things are literally objectively measurable. We have timestamps and you can see whether it's happening or not. So those hopefully will be some of your anchors back to reality, which is why I mentioned them. Uh, Or you can say to yourself, first of all, no, actually, that really did happen. And look, a lot of people might get defensive for all kinds of different reasons, certainly. But if you just sort of see your concerns not taken seriously and the behavior doesn't quickly change back to something more positive, it's perhaps time to consider retreating. So how do we get the narcissist out? So let's say you have started dating this person. They turn out to be bad news. And this is, I think something we should talk about more generally also, how do you find a way to break things off so that the person will actually leave you alone afterwards? I hate that we have to think about that, but again, especially as women can often happen that this gets disrespected. So
1: what would you advise when someone's dealing with a narcissist in this situation? Gosh. And, you know, I know you said, I hate that we have to think that way, especially as women, but also it can be tricky for people of any gender because, so you said we also should address this issue more generally. And we have in earlier episodes, how to get anyone out of your life when you've decided you don't want to date them anymore. And what we talked about was if you could not ghost them, but just give them a firm, but polite, hey, I don't think that we're the right fit for each other, but I wish you all the best. I mean, that is good advice for how to end things with somebody. However, when you are dealing with a narcissist, that is not going to be the end of it. They do not accept things ending on other people's terms well anyway. And so you do need to be prepared to be more firm and to not engage in back and forth with them. So you still let them know, assuming that they haven't done anything to warrant you just cutting them off completely. You know, we've talked in prior episodes about how disrespectful we find ghosting to be. But that being said, if somebody is treating you with just lack of decency, as sometimes narcissists may do, that is a different case. But assuming that you've realized "Mm, this person may be somebody dealing with narcissistic tendencies and I'm not interested in dealing with them anymore. I still would say start with the polite i think that it's better that we move in different directions it's been nice talking to you but i'm not interested in continuing this anymore and leave it at that but you need to be prepared to follow up on that they will write you back call you however ways that they have of getting in touch with you they will and they will do one of two things they will either try to start apologizing and love-bombing you um, to, to try to get you back in line. Or they will try the more gaslighting approach where they are telling you, I don't see what the problem is. I feel like you're really overblowing things. And they will be insulting towards you. They may throw a barrage of insults at you. And as tempting as it is to respond When somebody does that sort of thing because it's unjust and it's unwarranted and most of us don't like to stand for being talked to in those kind of ways or disrespected like that, truly the best thing to do is to do nothing, to remain silent, to not engage with them because they are just trying to get you back in the conversation so they can pull you back in to the dynamic they have with you. So my advice would be once you realize from picking up on the signs we've talked about today that you don't wanna deal with this person anymore, make it firm and uncompromising. Anything you would add to that, Irena? Definitely this approach, which is also known
0: as gray rocking of not showing an emotional response, even when you really want to and you have the perfect response. There is nothing to gain here. You're not going to convince this person of anything. You are just going to waste your time. You're going to make yourself upset. It's really, really hard, but everything you said is so true. You have got to get out of there and you've got to get out of there as unscathed as possible making the narcissist angry. Not that it's your fault again, because everybody is responsible for their own reaction, but saying things that are more likely to lead to anger on part of the narcissist, if we put it that way, is not going to be helpful to you and for your own life because they can be so punishing and so vengeful and so awful and come up with schemes that you might not not even imagine. You just don't want to have to deal with that. So let them think what they want to think. Let them think you are an awful person Oh, another thing they love to do is to say things like, uh, you're never going to find someone as good as I am. And again, try to push you down, right. And try to make you feel bad about yourself, make you feel unattractive, make you feel unworthy and all of these different things. They are fundamentally liars. They will say and do anything to get what they want. So you need to be the one to pull away and then stand firm. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well. And make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter or on Instagram. I would like to thank my husband Carlos Forini for sound editing, as well as Vlad Kuyujuklu for letting us use his music for this podcast. Bye everyone. Bye.